you go on the other side of it? There's like you know three hole size. Then it's a big one. Then it's like oh, big then it's plates. the shredded. Oh god, I need a different one. Yeah, yeah, the Goldilocks of shredded cheese. <laughs> oh, it's too fine. No, it's too chunky. Oh, it's just right. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Leet, the founder of the website Leet's Culinaria and the author of The Portuguese Table and the memoir Notes on a Banana. And I'm Amy Traverso, food editor of Yankee Magazine, co-host of the public television show Weekends with Yankee and author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. And here we're hosts of Talking With My Mouthful, a podcast about food, food adjacent topics, and things that pique our interest. And what piques our interest is we're always looking for kitchen hacks and shortcuts to make your cooking life easier. Now, we're not purists at any any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> and we feel that most of the time perfection isn't worth the pursuit. However, there are some techniques, tools, and habits that can really pay off. Mm -hmm. So we spent some time this past week thinking about our lists of the fussy and annoying things that we feel are actually worth the trouble. But first... It's it's mailbag time! time. (laughs) Did that work? No. It sounded... Good to me. Adam purposely, purposely lets it stay out of sync. Look at him grinning like the Cheshire cat right there. A couple of weeks ago, we shared a note from our Patreon subscriber, Sherry Klusman, and how she honors the memories of her loved ones by cooking their recipes on the anniversaries of their deaths. And we asked you to share your own ways of honoring loved ones, and we heard this very interesting take from a listener, D. She wrote, for years, my dad was the only person in the family who liked fruitcake until he finally found a recipe that the whole family enjoyed. He made it every year, every Christmas until he passed away. And now my husband bakes it every year to continue the tradition. That is a very loving act. We still have the recipe that he hand wrote on yellow legal paper. We discovered later that it came from a cookbook for Eagle brand sweetened condensed milk. Oh, yeah. His addition was soaking it in whiskey for two weeks. <laughs> so every year as we eat dad's boozy fruitcake, he is with us both in spirit and in spirits. That's really cute. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for that, Dee. That is, that's lovely. So Amy, how was your food fortnight? It was a good and somewhat sweet fortnight, I guess mm-hmm. I'd say. For Valentine's Day, I made these cookies that I first had in New Mexico. I lived in Albuquerque for a couple of years in my 20s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my friend Mindy, she made this family recipe. They were sugar cookies that were enhanced with sour cream. Mm-hmm. And the sour cream just gives them this like, oh, this like wow. really lovely, uh, oh, I'm going to use the word moist. Moist, <laughs> which, which is moist. on your no-no list. <laughs> Actually, it's not. I lo- I don't mind the word moist. I know a lot of people hate it. They're, they remain really moist, and it just gives them a little bit more richness mm-hmm. and a t- really subtle tang. So I did sour cream cookies, and then I did like a cream cheese frosting for them. Oh, nice. So it was, you know, how much dairy can you pack? Now, are they as crumbly as regular sugar cookies, or are they less crumbly? No. So they're, they're softer, ah. and I like soft cookies. Yeah. I know some people like crisp cookies, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, those were delicious. They, I did cut them out in little hearts and frosted them with pink frosting. And it was, you know, cute and femmy. And that recipe is actually on Yankee's website. I'll share that. Um, Super Bowl Sunday, which I like to call Sports Ball Sunday, because I really, (laughs) at one point, I turned to Scott and it was like, the, one of the teams was going to kick a field goal because they'd run out of downs. And I'm so football oblivious that I said to him, 
oh, did they run out of things so they have to kick now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but I don't know what any of that means. So, I know. <laughs> I mean, you they realize that the Super Bowl weekend is probably has the lowest number of gay men watching television ever. <laughs> right. None of us are interested. Even, Not even, even for in the, the halftime show. I mean, this year was Usher, and, and it yeah. wasn't like usually when the girls are on, all the gays right. watch. But I right. don't think a lot of gays watch this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did tiramisu, and actually, uh, the friend of the pod, Adam, who yeah. uh, not not producer Adam, but friend Adam, England Adam, uh, was telling me about making tiramisu with sambuca ah. instead of the rum yeah. or you know other liqueurs that people normally put in. It's so good, David. I've got to highly recommend. Really. This. You don't really taste the anise. Mm -hmm. Sambuca is an anise-flavored liqueur. Mm -hmm. You don't really taste it, but it does something to enhance both the chocolate and the coffee flavors. Wow. You know how those, you know how some flavors are like yeah. undetectable, but it just brings it into Technicolor? Yeah. That's what this did. So you that, know, it's interesting you say cool. that because I remember when I worked at Windows on the World that people would order coffee or espresso with Sambuca. Yes. And yes. that must be that kind of interplay. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow, I forgot you worked there. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, the last thing I made is super healthy to offset all the uh, the sweets. It's a great recipe that we'll share on the show notes mm -hmm. page. It's a lentil and butternut squash stew mm -hmm. that I learned when I worked at Sunset Magazine in California. My colleague Molly Watson developed it. You're basically cooking red lentils and butternut squash with some turmeric, salt, sugar, and water. It's very simple. And a star anise pod. Uh -huh. And then you, when you serve it, you drizzle this butter that has cumin seeds, basil, oh. serrano oh, chili. I like that. It's so good. Mm. It really is. And it, it has like this richness and all these layers of flavor. And anyway, I'll, I'll post it because oh, it's really that worth having wonderful. in the winter. Yeah. How was your food fortnight? Mine was great. Uh, you know, I'm plowing through the website, shooting everything or reshooting stuff. Wow. So I made homemade pastrami. Wow. I know. I've never done right? that. And the thing about it is with this recipe, you don't have to smoke it because part of the uh -huh. rub is smoked paprika. So you get so some smart. of the smoke flavor there. So it goes into the cure for the five days and then you wrap it and cover it. You steam it for a couple of hours wow. and it's wonderful. It's moist. It's it's juicy and it's got that nice smoky cumin kind of flavor on the outside. So that was great. Wow. And of course, with St. Patrick's Day coming up, I did make uh, corned beef because we love uh -huh. corned beef. So I wanted to try out this new blend recipe that I have and it was excellent. As a matter of fact, we had really? some. Yes, we had some today. And so that was one of the one loves corned beef. So it's been Ruben's galore. Oh, you know? that's so nice. And then as far as desserts, I made a brownie pie. Have you ever had a brownie pie? Wow. No, is it just like a brownie baked in a pie? A pie crust, yeah, handmade, or? a homemade pie crust. Oh, oh yeah, wow. you know, you don't do you don't do store bought pie crust in this house. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe like an Oreo crust or something. Oh no, this is a regular one with flour okay. and butter and sugar and salt, and it was wonderful. It has pecans in it, mm. and you slightly undercook it so the middle's a little bit goopy and nice. soft, and it creates that shiny, shiny surface, yes. crackly, really wonderful. And then also, and I find these to be a real pain in the ass, which ties in with our theme today. <laughs> I made a coconut cream pie oh, wow. with the meringue topping, but you know, it's so hard not to get the meringue to weep. Oh. It is so hard not to get it to weep. Yeah, But it, it's really good, but my meringue weeped a little bit. 
Well, even coconut cream pie with just the whipped cream topping can be really time-consuming. That's what I really should have made. Now you've got me craving coconut cream pie. Thanks, David. So everyone, you know that we have Patreon subscribers now, a Patreon page, and you have all different levels and tiers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you can get from us. And the great news is that since the beginning of the year, we are covering 20% of our costs. But there is a... Some bad news here, Aim. I'll let you do the bad news. Well, I guess the glass half full version of this is we're eighty percent of the way to not covering our <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're there you still, go. We're still paying out of pocket um, for the podcast, which means we're not quite out of the woods in terms of making it sustainable. Yeah. But we are so grateful for everyone who has stepped up to support it, and uh, and we're just asking that if you've sort of been on the fence about it, we have. We have several tiers for as little as $3 a month and as much as $25 a month. And depending on how much you spend, you get different benefits and perks like an exclusive monthly newsletter, a monthly private meetup. Yeah. And then at higher levels, you can be a virtual audience member and you can sit in with Amy, me, and producer Adam and see how all the crazy magic comes together. And how and much then we you mess can get 10%- up. <laughs> And <laughs> now we mess up. And you can get 10% off of my spice blends over at World Spice. And cooking classes, you get cooking classes with Amy and me virtual, uh, but you get cooking classes. So there's a lot of wonderful information that you get in fun things. And the community over on our Patreon page, they're lovely. It's they a really, really great, safe, fun place to visit and be a part of. We just had a lovely Zoom session with some subscribers. Yes. We just had a great conversation. We learned stuff. They learned stuff. It's just, a, it's a great community. And we got great ideas for future shows yeah. too from Yeah, them. so join the conversation. Join the community. Please support the podcast. We're not even looking to make money here. We just, we just want to make sure even. it's sustainable. That's all we yeah. want. Please, sir, can we break so you, even? Please, so sir. <laughs> <laughs> go to patreon.com slash talking with my mouthful. And now over to our intrepid reporters, Amy and David at the news desk. Okay, David, yeah? for news this week, will you do that like Howard Hawks movie, like fast talking news voice that you have? You mean like the 1940s news voice? That kind yeah. of thing? All right, sure. I don't know why they all sound like Catherine Hepburn, but I'll try. <laughs> so according to Professor Michelle Frankie of Bryn Mawr, Bryn Mawr College. See here? The secret to making a perfect cup of tea is to add a tiny pinch of salt. Yes, you heard that right here. What you say, salt? A tiny pinch of salt. She explains that the salt acts as a blocker to the receptors, which makes tea taste bitter. Save that six times fast in this voice. Tea tastes bitter, especially when it's been stewed. The salt is undetectable, but it enhances the good flavors of the tea. But the news caused quite a bit of stir in the UK, and the US ambassador in London released a statement on X saying, we want to ensure the good people of the UK that the unthinkable notion of adding salt to Britain's national drink is not officially US policy, and never will be. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night, and God very bless. good, David. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I can't do it so well. Um, I, I don't think I should even try. But <laughs> All right. Well, this is an insane one. How much would you pay for a bottle of water, David? Like the most for a bottle? I mean, f- maybe $5, maybe? Right. Okay. Well, at Shore Bazaar, a restaurant in Hawaiian Gardens, California, which uh, honestly I'd never heard of Hawaiian Gardens, either. California. They serve high-end cuisine from Afghanistan, India, and Pakistan. Oh. 
But most notably, you can pay a whopping $400 for a bottle of water from American-made Spring Bling H2O. Uh, wait, $400 a bottle for American water? Well, any yes. water, ridiculous, but... yes. It's blinged out water. And then you can pay $1,000 for a limited edition bottle of Filico jewelry water from Japan. And according to the chef and owner Imran Ali Muki, the water comes from a well in Japan in the mountains. It's purified with diamonds. It's a whole crazy process. <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, this is the kind of food news that just drives me insane. $400 to $1,000 a bottle of wine because it's purified... Through, of water. By diamonds. But the truth of the matter is diamonds is one of the hardest substances. How can water get through a diamond? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. It's maybe like a homeopathic diamond treatment where it sort of gets the essence of the diamonds and makes you feel rich inside. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, oh, $5 is the max I'm paying. So clearly I'm not going to that restaurant in Hawaii Gardens, California. Um, and so we have one more item, and this is from our food and wine friends. They've got some great news over there. Yeah. Truly Hard Seltzer has announced that there's an ultra-limited edition release of its hot wings sauce-flavored seltzer, talking about Ugh. water, right? And it immediately sold out. Now, this cracks me up. I mean, obviously, apparently we're not traumatized enough with all the news today, so why not add insult to injury <laughs> and, you know, buy all this kind of water? Not to worry, Truly says an immediate restock is on the way. And the sure-to-sell-out-again hot wings sauce-flavored Truly Hard Seltzer... <laughs> It's sold in packs of four 16-ounce cans and are available exclusively through GiveThemBeer.com. Now, this is what I love. The Ugh. response, even though it's sold out, has been very mixed. <laughs> I love this. I don't know who this commenter is, but I want them <laughs> to be a guest on the show. One commenter wrote that they were, quote, checking the calendar to see if it's April Fool's Day. Well, this is the one I love. <laughs> While another ultra-enthusiastic fan wrote in all caps, I'm going to drink this with a side of ranch. <laughs> this, all this stuff drives me crazy. I mean, remember the Doritos-flavored vodka that we talked about a couple of shows ago? Yeah, yeah. When will this craziness stop? You know, when capitalism stops, and I'm not anti-capitalist, don't come for me, but I mean, it is like, it's the way, you know, they're rising above the fray with this crazy idea, and here no, we are I guess they feel it. it's worth it for a short-term boost in sales to mm -hmm. do something really stupid and, and, and idiotic like that, but I'm not buying Doritos-flavored vodka. I am not buying this hot wing sauce, truly seltzer thing. I'm not buying any of it at all. I might put salt in my tea, though. I would. It makes sense, right? Somewhere there's a little marketing associate who's calling and saying, Mom, Mom, my idea for the hot sauce flavored seltzer worked. It's sold out. And it's like, oh, I'm so proud of you, honey. Yeah, some 12-year-old, you know, assistant to an assistant to an assistant in the marketing department. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're doing. They're getting all these ideas from TikTok and they're trying to appeal to the TikTok crowd. Got yeah, I, I really, I can't, at this point, I can't forgive TikTok for what it's done for food. And I know it's brought us some really wonderful food it people has. like the Dylan Hollis and others, yep. but the louder and louder gimmicks to, to get, uh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. All right. Well. Now. Here we are at the main event of the Yes, the, the meat of our meat. show. <laughs> no pun intended. All right. So. We've each made a list of the seemingly fussy kitchen habits and extraneous gear that we nevertheless would stand by, embrace, and encourage you to try. Right. Now, you know, I'm interested to see if we agree or disagree on these things. So 
First one, mm-hmm. absolutely have completely embraced weighing ingredients when baking and yeah, that absolutely. associated attached to that then would be yeah. buying a digital scale. So the PIA factor on this one, pain in the ass factor for me is zero. <laughs> it's zero. It's so zero much easier. Like yeah. when I'm making bread, I have my big bowl and I put it on the scale. I tear it to zero. I boom, add the flour. Boom, boom. I re-tear it to zero. I add the yeast. I re-tear it, add the salt. It's just perfect. It comes out. It's so yeah. much more accurate. I know that when I scoop and level a cup of flour, it generally comes in at about 140 grams, but mm-hmm. many recipes are calibrated to a 120 gram scoop. Yep. And so you never, you it's a big difference when you're talking about four or five cups of flour in a recipe. Yep, and sure so is. use the weighted measurements rather than the volume ones, because it, it'll make a huge difference in the outcome. But I do have a complaint about this. Yeah. Because you know, we complain about everything. I don't like scales that turn off in the middle of you weighing. Ever notice oh, that? Oh, that's never happened to if me. If you don't add something soon enough, right? It, it just turns off. So I'm like, oh my God, what's in there? Right, right. That's hard. Then you have to find a comparable bowl to what you're using and figure that out and subtract out to the total you think you remembered. So I think they should have scales that don't turn off for like 30 seconds after something comes off of it. Yeah, yeah. I think they need that. Right, right. That makes sense. So we agree on that one. We do, 100%. So my first one is mise en place, which is French for putting things in place, putting all of your ingredients out exactly as you need them for the recipe. Do you do that? Oh, David, I wish... I, uh, now, see, I think I'm going to end this episode in a shame spiral because I know I should do that. Of course, I know I should do that. But yeah. most of the time, I'm like, okay, what can I measure and start cooking first? Because it'll be way more efficient for me to be cooking and yeah. measuring at the same time. Yeah, me too. It's awful. And I know that I need to just check my like addled brain and just do the mise en place. But yep. most times, honestly, I'm doing it all on the fly. I am too. I'll tell you, for me, the, the PIA factor on this is a good six. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to do it. And it's interesting when we're shooting stuff for the website, the one does all the mise en place. And I'll tell you, it goes seamlessly. I know. I know it's more Seamless. efficient ultimately. Yet when I'm doing the photography alone, Yeah. oh my God, I had to make the, the coconut cream pie three times. Yeah. Three Because t- I kept on screwing it up. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Let's. How about this? Let's make a New Year's resolution. It's a little late in the year already, but let's let's do it. Let's say the next 10 things we each cook, we're going to mise en place it Mise first. en place okay. everything. Okay. All right. All, All right. right. So what my next, next one, this one's kind of obvious and a gimme, but sometimes we skip it. It's bringing butter, eggs, and liquids to room temperature before you bake. Mm-hmm. This one, the PIA factor can be significant, although it gets much easier if you know to, you can microwave the butter to warm it up mm-hmm. for like eight mm-hmm. seconds, nine seconds. You can put the eggs, as you said in an earlier episode, in warm, warm water, water to warm them up. Yeah. And the liquids, you could also kind of zap a little bit and stir them to distribute yeah. the heat. So it, it doesn't have to be that bad, but it really makes a difference. You want to talk about some of the differences it makes? Yeah. For me, what happens is uh, butter will incorporate better when it's at room temperature and the other ingredients will take other ingredients well too if they're all at room temperature. The problem is our house is so freaking cold oh, interesting. that if I leave it out at room temperature, it's about 65 degrees because right. we have really bad heating in this house, which is too cold. The right. butter is not indentable. Right. 65 degrees. So I always have to end up doing something to get things up to room temp or a little bit warmer. Yeah. Because I I think people consider room temp to be about 70 to 72. Right. 
And um, yeah, so, but I, I think it's important and I try to do it as often as I can, but I'm always doing the shortcuts because it's just so cold. In the summer, I have to do the opposite, right? I have to keep things cooler because it can get really hot when you have the two ovens going and it's July and right. it's 98 degrees out. Right. But yeah, I try to do it. I'm just not that good at it. The other reason to do it is whether you're beating sugar into butter or you're beating eggs, they will incorporate air much better at room temperature than they will if they're yes. cold. So you'll get more rise, you'll get a better cake texture, all of that stuff. All of that. And there's science involved in that. So, you know, kids do as we say, not as we do, but do it. <laughs> okay. What's your next one? All right. So this is making stock. And I, I believe that you have stock on yours, but this is brown stock specifically. Mm. When you roast the bones, it is... A real pain in the ass, but I have to tell you, it is so worth it. Having brown chicken stock yeah. and then having roasted beef stock and even roasted vegetable stock, I think it adds such a layer of flavor. Mm -hmm. But you know, PIA factor for me, I think it's about maybe a four. What about you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've I don't always roast the bones, and when I don't mm. roast the bones, sometimes. I think, well, here's the thing. I've been on this homemade stock kick. And then right. a couple of weeks ago, I had a cold. I wasn't really feeling like, uh, I, I wanted to drink a lot of chicken stock. And yeah. I, I have only so much in my freezer. So I opened, I have some cans in the basement of like collagen oh. stock. No, but David, I was actually surprised at how good it was. Really? <laughs> it, it was like, this isn't bad at all. So it kind of had me rethinking that maybe unless I'm willing to either use a lot of chicken wings and yeah. drumettes and get that collagen-rich stock, or yeah. I'm willing yeah. to roast the bones to get that extra flavor, or ideally mm. both, maybe store-bought is fine. I'm, I'm going to go Ina Garten on wow. this. Store-bought is fine when the stock isn't the main thing. If it's not a sauce, if it's like a, a soup- Like a consomme or something. Yeah, yeah, if it's a soup that has a lot of other flavors- then yeah. I think it's store-bought's fine. But I think it does make a difference when you're talking about a sauce or a consomme or something. I don't know. I How tell do you, you feel? I try to use homemade as often as I can, but I really do cringe when I have to use the box stock. I really? do because I taste it. Is it like food snobby shame or is no, it? No, it, to me, it just, it tastes weak. It tastes watered down mm -hmm. compared to really good stuff. Now I yeah. will use, it's expensive, but I do uh, sometimes buy Marco Canora's Brodo, which is mm. bone broth. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good. And mm. some of these brands now have bone broth. I know the College Inn has yeah, bone broth. Yeah, and I yeah. used the beef bone broth recently. And actually, it was very good. I yeah. made a Julia Child's um, a steak au poivre. Mm. And it was very good. That was okay. very good. It has a richer flavor than just the plain beef stock. So, yeah. yeah. So, that's an, kind of up in the air for me, that one. Okay. You're next. Oh, What's I'm up? next. Okay. When a recipe says freshly grated Parmesan, freshly mm -hmm. grated black pepper mm -hmm. or citrus zest or juice, yep. listen to the recipe. It's worth Absolutely, it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And I'd time. say the PIA factor is like, what, three out of 10? It's not really not that hard to do. Maybe a three, if a two, you know. Parmesan is a little bit of a pain, like to get a, enough volume of it. It's, it's Yeah. Like, do you have a nice box grater? I do. You know, the OXO. Yeah, I have the OXO one, and I feel like it's a little bit too fine. It needs to be a slightly bigger hole. You go so on the other side of it. There's like you no know, three hole size. Then it's a big one. Then it's oh, like then big it's the shredded. Oh god, I need a different one. Yeah, you're the Goldilocks of shredded cheese. <laughs> oh, it's too fine. No, it's too chunky. Oh, it's just right. I do. Uh, I don't like to microplane though my uh, my Parmesan cheese though. Because it's yeah. too, too fine. It just melts into yeah, nothingness. Yeah, yeah. I think absolutely you cannot, especially lemon juice and lemon zest, please. Right. That, you know, yes, real lemon is not real lemon. It's just. 
Yeah, Citric yeah. acid. <laughs> yeah, don't like that. All right. So what's your next one? Homemade mayo. Oh, interesting. It's PIA factor five, maybe, because you have to like take out the food processor and do all that kind of stuff. But the flavor is so much better. And I love Hellman's. I mean, I'm a Hellman's fanatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But doing stuff like an aioli. Oh, yeah, you know, for an aioli, for Yeah, sure. we have this recipe on the site that I got from a local restaurant, which is small little uh, new potatoes that have mm-hmm. been pickled, then smoked, then deep fried. That's like a PIA factor of a thousand. A thousand, but when you add your homemade aioli, oh my God, it is so <laughs> good. You want to eat a meal of just those potatoes. Wow. It's so good. So yeah, that's when I do it. If I I'm wouldn't doing... know because I'm not a potato person. Now that's right. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm wasted on you, Amy. I'm wasted on you. Oh God. <laughs> but here's a question. Oh, let me tell you actually, one time at, during the pandemic when yeah. we had endless, endless time on our hands, I did a blog post for Yankee about making a perfect tomato and mayonnaise sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. It was peak summer. So I had beautiful, ripe, vine-ripened tomato. Right. And I did side-by-side a sandwich with my homemade sourdough bread, mm-hmm. homemade ale, like mayonnaise and the tomato. And then I did store-bought like Pepperidge Farm white bread, Hellman's yeah. and the tomato. And I have to admit, I liked the Hellman's Hellman's and store-bought. It just, I think there's a sweetness to the commercial bread and a sweetness to the mayo that I didn't have in the the other stuff. So in that case, I liked it better. But but you're right, like homemade mayonnaise is delicious. How do you deal though with the food safety concerns around raw raw eggs? I've never been sick by any raw egg kind of thing. So, you know, I'm like, "Eh, (laughs) egg schmeg. You know, sometimes my roasted chicken's a little pink. Big deal. Come on and kill me. (laughs) I've been up against worse. I've never had any problems with that. And even just with like regular supermarket eggs, you'll do it? Yeah. yeah I tend to be a little more conservative. Like if I know, if, if it's like the eggs from the CSA that we get, and right. I know that's sort of really, really, really fresh, yeah. and it's not some massive commercial, you know, chicken operation, I'll do yeah. it. But otherwise, I might be a little more conservative. I yeah, don't know. No, I've never had a problem with it okay. yet. <laughs> I'll be dead by the next episode. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amy, I'm Amy Traverso. Your <laughs> host is talking with my mouth full. David's no longer with us. <laughs> All right, what do you let's have see. next? My next one is, um, oh, this one's big. Salting large cuts of meat the day before you cook them. You've got to talk to me about this. I have never heard of this. So Judy Rogers, rest in peace, in the Zuni cookbook, which is, if you don't have that cookbook, oh my gosh, it is a great, it's one of the best, I think, ever published. And she makes such a convincing case for the practice of, let's say you're going to make a pork roast or a, a, you know, roast beef or something big to salt it and then leave it in the fridge and cook it the next day. Just changes the flavor so much. It enhances it so much. It's really worth it. Do I do it every time? Absolutely not. Is it like a dry brine basically, right? It's a little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just... Oh, God, it makes a difference. But, you know, I'm not always that organized. I mean, I yeah. might be at Whole Foods and see a, you know, pork butt, and I'm thinking, oh, I'll make carne avada tonight. And I don't, yeah. you know, I haven't salted it. But when I do it, it really makes a difference. So PIA factor for you on that? In terms of the fact that I'm not naturally the most organized person, I would say it's probably a seven, but yeah. it's really not hard to do. It's just that you need to be doing your meal planning. Right. It's just, you have to be organized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you okay. also, this is a PIA question for you. Yeah. Do you make 
menus for the whole week? You know, on a good week, I do. I'll kind of really. Well, here's here's the best I can do in in reality is I'll be at the supermarket and I'll meal plan in my head for the week mm-hmm. and I'll shop for that. That's a good week for me. Like wow. on a Sunday at Trader Joe's or at whatever whatever store, yeah. I'll be like, okay, wait, let me let me plan this. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Okay, I'll buy all things and I'm good and I feel so good. How about you? No, I have never meal planned in my life. I just yeah. I can't get beyond the the current moment in almost right. anything. Right. Like Alan will say to me, aren't you excited that we're going to go to Scotland or aren't you excited we're going to go to Paris? And I'm like, that's like two months away. Uh, right. Ask me when I'm there. I can't think of the future. I just am not built that way. So usually we get into arguments because it's an hour before dinner and he's like, what are we going to have for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. What are you going to make? I right. just, I can't think that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm never good at meal planning. So this kind of thing, like salting your meat the day before, no. Right. Unless it's going to be a dinner party or something like that, then yeah. I can do it. Right. No, I just You can't that. think about the future unless you're worrying about the future, right? Because we yeah. all do and that. And I have enough unless... to worry about in the present. Right. <laughs> I don't have to think about the future. Okay, what's your next one? Uh, so my next one is toasting your spices. Yeah, that makes right? a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. You're just getting those volatile... Oils, oils heated to, up, and, yeah. and I love how they do like little jumping beans. You know, some of the things will pop in yeah. the uh, skillet. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> That's always fun to watch. I do like that. I think it adds so much more to your spices when you're making yeah. something. That makes so much sense. I, I completely co-sign that one. Oh, good. Um, do I always do it? No, but I, yeah. I, I always like when I do it. And a PAA factor on that to me is like a two. Yeah, it's nothing. You know, it's just a delay of five minutes. Okay, the last one I want to add is scraping down the sides of a bowl when you're mixing any kind of a batter, when you're baking. Like a stand mixer, like the KitchenAid? Yeah, or 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 if you're using a hand mixer. Oh my God, PIA10, PIA10. Scraping down the sides? PIA10. They wow, don't make me. those things to be scraped down. They make it really hard to get it in. Really hard to get in there, and I, I hate it. I actually have a batter beater a beater yeah. batter, that right. uh, has that scrapey thing down that scrapes itself. Right. Otherwise, right. it's such a pain in the ass. It is hard. That, that is down. a design flaw in the KitchenAid stand mixer. But yeah. it makes obviously makes a huge difference yeah. when you don't have that cl- that like <laughs> chunk of butter at the bottom <laughs> of the bowl. Right. Or all that dry flour. <laughs> <laughs> Always stop like partway through, you know, do it a couple times. <laughs> your guest bites into your cake and it's just puff of flour because it wasn't blended in. Yeah, I just think it's a pain in the ass. It really drives right, me yeah. nuts. Okay, well, let's now run through quickly our, the equipment that may be fussy, but that we really like. Yeah. You want to go first? Sure, I have two. First is the French finger guillotine, otherwise oh, known yes. as the mandolin. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right, I have I'm lost, familiar with that. You lost tips of fingers when you were doing stuff. I've gotten so many cuts <laughs> on that. If you use it properly, you get such beautiful thin slices. You, you know, do. the food processor industry said, oh, you can do that in hours. You can't. No, no, you it's can't. It's not like a mandolin. So yeah. that I think is worth it, even though it is scary as hell. And then the other thing is carbon steel pans and knives. Yes. Oh, you got to take care of them. You have to make sure they don't have acid on them. You have to wash them and dry them and oil them sometimes. But to me, I just think they're worth it. I, I yeah. love them. 
yeah, totally agree. The knives keep an edge so much better than stainless steel. Absolutely. And the pans are great because they're cheap, but they really conduct heat beautifully. So beautifully. I agree. Yeah. What about so you? So if you're rusted out, you can buy a new one. Okay, I have three. <laughs> in addition to the ones you said, yeah. popover pan, because there's just nothing better than homemade popovers. <laughs> yeah. I know it's silly and it takes up space, but I freaking love popovers. Uh-huh. Digital scale, which we kind of already discussed. And then- the, an instant read digital thermometer. They're oh, kind yeah. of expensive, but they boy, are. do they work well. Absolutely worth it. Absolutely yeah. worth it. You know, I do have another technique that is really worth mentioning. Flambeing. Oh. Flambe, a brandy yes. or something for uh-huh. either like Cherry Jubilee or Crepe Suzette or even if you're making Beurre Bourguignon, Coco Vin. <laughs> the wa- <laughs> you're so fancy. You're so fancy. <laughs> I'm fancy. You're a fancy pants. I have to... <laughs> lie to Alan and tell him that, oh, no, there's no flambeing going on. And then I try to get him to do something in the basement. <laughs> so Wait, I can flambe because we have low ceilings. Because is he worried you're going to burn yes. the house down? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm having a flame fling behind his back. But the thing about it is if you just put it in there, the brandy, it tastes like alcohol. So you really do have to flambe. And uh, it's a pain in the ass, but I do do it. Now, do you do it with a mat or do you like tilt the pan? No, I use one of those long lighter things. <laughs> yes. No. Now, the old days when you would like tip the pan. Remember? Yes, yes. Right? I tipped the pan and poured it all over the stove. <laughs> so the stove went up <laughs> in flames. And of course, you know, your first thing is to reach for water, which of course is the last thing you want to do in the kitchen when, it, when there's any kind of grease nearby. But right. uh, yeah, no. So I, I do flambe, but it's a pain in the ass. Adam, <laughs> now to wrap this up, you are a busy home cook who's not trying to impress anybody. You have three young children. What percentage of our recommendations did you think were complete bullshit? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you make your mayonnaise three or four times a week, right. these are important considerations. Dave- yeah, so maybe these are sort of like fancy food people problems. I don't know, but... <laughs> well, I just think it's important to acknowledge that like most of the time we're looking for shortcuts. These are the few things that we don't shortcut around, right? And I we think they yeah, make a exactly. difference in the cooking, so... I do. I I think that they do. Yeah. And I do feel like I need to have some sort of, you're a food person. So you need to do some difficult things in the kitchen. Even though (laughs) as I get older, I'm really liking these easy, quick meals. I just, it's so much easier. I know why like my mom stopped cooking at a certain point. Mm -hmm. I understand it now. You're like, I don't want to keep doing this. You know, it's just, it's hard. And then, you know, so it's like, I like looking, like I know what I'm doing and and I have some fancy things in the kitchen. Of course, I pull all the stops out when the guests come over too. Right. right? Then it's like, it's the flambeing, it's the this, it's the, yes, I grew my own spices and I pickled my own cucumbers and, you know, to make yeah, it yeah, all yeah. look good. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it does work. I've eaten at your house and it's, it's very, oh, it's impressive, David. Thank you. <laughs> Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Over at Studios, and our producer is the sometimes fussy, but always worth it, Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Over at Studios at overatstudios.com. Remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And as we said before, we are self-funded. So if you want to continue the marvelous, joyous, serotonin-boosting show you've come to know and love, would you consider supporting us? Just like public media. You'll find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes for this episode or go to patreon.com slash talkingwithmymouthful. 
Ciao. Bye, David. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I can't do it so well. Um, I, I don't think I should even try, but... Uh, uh, oh, okay. God, I want to be like... Yeah, all right. I want to be better at that. Um... So what do you have for the news? Yeah, I'm just, a, I'm sorry, I'm being disappointed with myself. <laughs> okay. We can have a therapy session if you want. We can just spend the rest of our time together. 